As people get older, they tend to change or reassess some of their life choices. Often, this can begin to lead to a change in personality, a change in your outlook on life and a change in what gets you up in the morning. This is a totally natural part of ageing and gaining life experience. It's a completely normal thing to do. But what if those around you didn't see it as normal? What if they thought it was so abnormal that they suspected this wasn't your doing? What if they believed this was as a result of interference by Andinima, the fairy people? What consequences would you have to pay? How would your life pan out? Well, these are questions which the life of one temporary woman from a town called Ballyvadley answers for us. This is her story. Eighteen ninety five is a strange old time in Ireland. It is only one generation on from the Great Famine, a horrific time which the land and people have still not recovered from or as yet addressed the scars it has left on the Irish state of mind. Those walking the streets are still haunted by the horrors they saw during this time. At least one million people lie in the earth having starved to death on a daily basis in the towns and villages across the island placed into the soil by trapdoor coffins landing in pits full of the bodies of their neighbours, friends and family. Such is the demand for burials, often the funerals take place on a rotary system. At least a further one million of the Irish people have been seen leaving the island in the hope, but not the guarantee, of not just a better life but one where they would have a fighting chance at continuing to exist. Some have left by choice, others banished from the land for taking from the rich to give to the poor, never to return again. Amongst the skeletons of what remains of the Irish people is a young Tipperary woman named Bridget Boland. Bridget defies the mood of rural Ireland at the time as she is both bright and bubbly. The dressmaker, working in Clanmill, is noted for being a fair bit of crack in the shop where she collects her pay packet and customers would often visit the store just to see what stories Bridget might have. Not all true, but all tremendously entertaining. Whilst working in Clanmill, the balance scale takes the fancy of a fine man from the town, a cooper named Michael Cleary. Michael is known to be a big fella in the town, of fine stock, tall, broad and stern-faced. Not known to be much crack, but can get any job done. The kind of fella who knows nothing of fashion or cooking, but could tile a roof or hang a shelf just by looking at it. Big, strong hands and a head like a wrecking ball. This big, tough man is weakened by the mere sight of Bridget and the two wed almost instantly. 
as was the custom at the time, Michael's new bride was to resign from her promising career after she was taken to be someone's wife. This wore heavy on Bridget's heart. Not only had she had to place the career she was building for herself into a safe never to be seen again, but she was also to leave the space in which she was most admired. Michael's job began to take a hit due to progress and the need to have a cooper in a distillery was lessening. Metal and mass production would see the stress of holding onto a job and providing for his new wife a tougher job as each day would pass. This resulted in Bridget moving back to her parents' house due to the cost of living while Michael continued to work and live in Clonmel whilst he could still get work. Michael would visit as often as he could, but given the difficulties in travel at the time, this was not as often as they would have originally wanted or planned. The Clearies were facing into a tough time for their marriage and the bonds that once bounded them were begging to fray. Being on her own with her elderly parents, Bridget began to gain a new sense of independence and self-liberation. Bridget began to run the farm on her own. She managed a flock of hens who provided enough eggs to sell to the other families in the area. Very unusually for the time, Bridget revisited her original career, she invested in a state-of-the-art sewing machine and returned to dressmaking. This time from her kitchen rather than a store. As word of Bridget's personality circulated around the town, it quickly began a hotspot for storytelling in the evenings, sing-songs and the occasional fireside dances. People would travel from near and far to visit the house for a bit of crack and buy Bridget's goods. This industrious and mighty woman had not only created two successful businesses for herself and become a centre point for the people in Tipperary, she had done it in a time where women had little to no rights and they were often to be seen but not heard from. Bridget powered on with her work and worked all the hours of the day and night making ends meet. Unfortunately, Whilst working out on the farm, Bridget's mother was to pass from life to immortal's grace. Not only did the death of her mother bring great sorrow to Bridget's life, it added a further hardship as she was left to care for her elderly and fairly useless father. Coopers had now become a thing of the past and given the strides Bridget had made and the need for the extra set of hands around the house, Bridget's husband, Michael, moved up from Clanmel to help his wife strive. He moved in with the father and daughter into Bridget's home place. Now, together again, Bridget and Michael planned to begin their family. 
They saved up all the money they could get their hands on and bought a house with room for themselves, Bridget's father and some posh Tepiog. The house was perfect for what they wanted from their lives. There was just one catch. Given the little to no money they had, the Clearies got a great deal on a house which the estate agents could not sell due to its foundations being built into a fairy fort. Now let's sidetrack for Nomad Awan. Not all of you will be familiar with a fairy fort. If you are, no bother, skip on, but if not, hang on a minute. We are off to the world of the Irish fairies. A fairy fort is basically an unusual mound of earth, usually circular, with a ring or cluster of trees on it. They are located across the entire Irish island and are easily and commonly spotted across the land. They are older than the world's known languages and more mysterious than the world's oldest secrets. A scientist would tell you that these are just natural growth patterns on top of what would have been the foundations of an old building or where animals had died changing the colour of the grass, creating the mound and causing the trees to grow in unusual shapes over the years. You can believe the scientist if you want. It comes from a logical, educated and researched point of view. But what if there is more to it than logic? If you think about it, ancient Ireland was entirely covered in trees. This was until the native Irish trees were reduced to under 5% of the island's surface as a result of the British Navy cutting down the ancient trees and building boats from them to invade foreign lands. Before them, the Viking settlers in Ireland took a portion of the trees to build their longboats to raid France and England and to make the long return journey back to Denmark. And before them, the ancient Celts used the timber for housing, fire and creating tools. Each of these peoples would have encountered the fairy fort trees. All of them decided to cut around them and never touch them. Whilst they hacked down every bit of timber they could find on the land, these trees were left in peace, never to be disturbed. What is it that they knew which we don't? Ireland is a land of folklore and a major part of this is on Dini Ma, the good people an ironic name for the people of the fairy world who are all incredibly mischievous and some were demonic in their nature. Below the fairy forts was said to be the lair of the Banshees, the Shifra, the Leprechaun and other creatures who torment for fun. Collectively known as Tua de Danann, the supernatural Irish race, it is said after centuries of wars and battles with humans for the right to live on Ireland's soil, they were eventually tricked by the humans, 
who, after a peace truce, forced them to live in the other world, the world of darkness beneath the soil. Now they only surface to cause mischief for the trickster humans and to plot their revenge. If interfered with, they would see it as an invitation to create mischief and they are constantly willing and waiting to be invited to the surface. The invitation a cut into the soil of the gateway to the other world, the gateway being the fairy forts. The days went by as normal for the Clearies. The sun rose and set again and the days passed. They tried for eight years to have a child but they were never blessed with the achievement of their dream. Stresses began to grow between Bridget and Michael, blaming one another for what they saw to be a failure to become parents. As well as this, Michael began to become resentful of his wife's ability to bring in a living whilst he sat idle. One must take into account that given the times, he would not be viewed as being a man by his peers, by allowing, and that's the key word given the societal state of mind at the time, allowing his wife to work. 1895 saw one of the worst snowstorms to ever hit the land upon our shores from the wild Atlantic. It was the coldest winter ever recorded in Ireland, even to this day. The snow first fluttered on the island in early February and did not depart for two months. Crops failed to grow panic set in and the national emotion was one of fear and worry. It could be felt across the land and seen in the eyes of everyone you would meet. Was a fourth great famine on the way? Could this be the end of the Irish people? Great illnesses struck the land and one of those affected by these new hard-to-cure illnesses was our Bridget. Struck with a fever, Bridget became increasingly weak, feverish and disorientated. Her health continued to decline and after a visit from an aunt, it was decided she should receive the last rites. A Catholic ritual which would dissolve her of her sins and encourage her passage through the pearly gates and into heaven. The local doctor recorded that she would be dead within days. This was not the doctor who held a value in the Cleary household, however. The people of rural Ireland, despite persecution, still held some value in their past paganistic ways. A sort of witch doctor was sent for. This doctor did not see the sickness as a form of pneumonia, 
as the medical doctor had previously diagnosed. He saw it as the work of the fairies. In desperation, her friends and family organised an ancient Celtic ritual for her. This would seek help from the fairies to banish the sickness from her, and the Dini Ma would be summoned to help her recover and banish the menacing fairies making her sick. Ten members of Bridget's family and friends were sent for. They formed a circle around Bridget, chanting spells to cast out the sickness and howled at the fairies to leave. Things began to go wrong. Bridget began to scream as they forced herbs and milk down her throat and she shouted in a voice they had never heard, a deep and stressed voice. Having witnessed the ritual, her father and husband suspected something had gone wrong and the fairies had not only stayed in her body, but the new ones had entered. To undo what they had done, they brought her in front of the fireplace and threw urine on her to cast out the fairies. 36 hours later, Bridget was reported missing by a cousin. Michael was the first point of investigation. When questioned by police, Michael stated she was away with the fairies, the first time that old Irish phrase was recorded in an official way or any form of document. The people were stunned. Had the ritual gone so badly that the fairies rose from the fairy fort and pulled her into the other world? Witness statements were taken and each insisted that she had just vanished. Puff. Gone. Taken into the soil, never to be seen again. She was with the Banshees now, to be tormented for the rest of eternity. The story was reported in the New York Times with the headline, Irish Woman Turned Witch Vanishes. All those witnesses talking to the police about fairies. Surely there was something in that. Had the fairies taken her? This missing person might not be missing after all, she just isn't here anymore. Some time later, a charred hand was found. Sticking from a shallow grave was the small, feeble, burnt hand of Bridget. Beneath the soil, the tortured remains of Bridget Cleary. Set alight by her husband, friends and family. Her only crime being sick with pneumonia. Arrested and charged with her murder, 
the 10 people who took part in the Celtic-style exorcism were sent to jail for various periods of time. Each protested that the fairies had taken her to the other world and returned her to the land through her grave. The judge condemned their nonsensical argument. Bridget would be the last woman to die of witchcraft or fairy dealings in Ireland. Now, I myself would tend to side with the judge on this one. Except for one small addition to the story. When released from jail, Michael returned to their home and every Sunday he put on his best clothes, made a roast for the two and brought it to where Bridget's grave was found and waited for the fairies to give his wife back. He did this every Sunday until he died, next to her grave. The music for this episode was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you want to help to support this podcast, you can buy us a coffee at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash we the Irish or leave us a review on your podcast app. Ryan is Anam Dumb. Gurav Mahakut, Slonanish.